Good talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And the only place to hear the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Listen, I don't know what they're teaching at school these days. Half the kids can't read. The other half can't write. The other half can't add. Okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) That was actually really good. That makes up for last week's debacle. Uh, but either way, whether you love them or whether you hate the jokes, thanks to Duff for delivering the laughs from the middle of the Guns N' Roses tour on the road. They got a couple more dates here in the States, and in November they're going to Australia and New Zealand. GunsNRoses.com for all ticket information, and FozzyRock.com for all ticket information for the Save the World tour as we start to wind down here in the States. And the tour has been absolutely amazing. Uh, but we're not done yet as we go to uh, Canton, on Friday night at the Action uh, Building, uh, that's close to Atlanta. October second, ninety-eight Rockfest in Tampa, uh, main stage there. October third, the Underground in Charlotte. Tickets are moving fast for that one. October fourth in Columbia, South Carolina, at the main course. That's going to be a good show. Then we do uh, Capones in Johnson City. That one is sold out. Victory North in Savannah. Uh, tickets still available for that. And then we wind it all up here in the states for this leg on October 9th. For WJRR's Earth Day birthday in Orlando, Florida. Then, of course, we got the Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea, October 21st, the 25th uh, from Miami. And then we hit the UK November 29th at the Cavern Club in Liverpool, England. We go all the way to December 12th at the Islington Academy in London. That show is going to sell out. Uh, so many of the gigs are sold out. Nottingham is sold out, Swansea is sold out. Uh, we got Bournemouth, Birmingham, Chester, Belfast, Dublin, Glasgow is going to sell out. Probably is even right now as we speak. Newcastle as well. So go to FozzyRock.com for all information and all VIP information. One of the best you're ever going to experience as we play a special set just for you guys before the show. All right. But like I mentioned, the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Triple Whammy, October 21st to the 25th we are back we've got some cabins left if you want to join us for the vacation of a lifetime chrisjerichocruise.com it's the only place to be able to see orange jericho that's right cassidy and jericho tag teaming for the first and possibly only time orange jericho versus ricky starks and will hobbs will take place on the cruise uh, live talk is jericho as i'm going to speak with Britt baker dmd jazz and medusa about the evolution of women's wrestling jericho versus kurt angle talk is jericho and then of course jericho and Bo- uh, bully ray as my co-host talking to robert and michael sweet about the evolution of striper the uh, biggest christian metal band of all time also will osprey is going to be there hacksaw jim duggan rock and roll express dean malenko uh, Lance Archer, the Gun Club, Colt Cabana, Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, uh, uh, the, the Chaos Project, the Sedell Brothers, I mean, the, the Wardlow, Sean Spears, uh, Chris Statlander, Rebel, um, Jamie Hader. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So come check it out. Don't forget, also, Fozzie's playing Quarantine, uh, Striper, Rubik's Cube, Secret Saints, Paradise Kitty, Dave Spivak Project, Crowbot. All on Chris Jericho's Triple Whammy. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com if you want to join us for the vacation of a lifetime. All right. Today on the show, the annual Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 is out. And I've got PWI editor Kevin McElvaney and senior writer Al Castle to break down how the rankings are determined. Close battle between Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns for the top spot this year. And you'll hear what gave Kenny the edge. 
we go through the top 10, the, the uh, number 500 spot, the controversy surrounding some of the choices throughout the list. Kevin and I'll explain how the rankings are compiled each year, how long it takes it to, takes to put it together, some of the cool changes that were made to the issue this year. And you can check it out uh, every single uh, member of the Top 500 by buying your own uh, copy of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 issue. Just go to pwi-online.com and you can pick up your copy with Kenny Omega on the cover. Once again, pwi-online.com to pick up your own uh, issue, your own copy of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. And we're going to talk about it right now with Kevin McElvaney and Al Castle of Pro Wrestling Illustrated right here. On Talk is Jericho. So it's the uh, time of year that has the wrestling world on bated breath. The Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 has been released. And now all of the, uh, the dust is settling. The controversy is starting. And to uh, discuss everything is, is, is Al and Kevin from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And uh, it, it's funny, like, in this day and age, just to jump right in, uh, when magazines are getting fewer and far between, it's still a big deal, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. Yeah, it's a huge thrill for us. I mean, I, I think it's kind of touching for us that it still means so much to people, You're not not just fans, but wrestlers uh, themselves. I mean, it's awesome hearing from you and that it's on your radar. I was on Busted Open a couple of days ago, and, and Tommy Dreamer, yeah. another guy who you know follows uh, real closely. So we know it means a lot to the fans and our readers. And I think it's awesome that it also means something to a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up reading the magazines as did Al, uh, not just pro wrestling illustrated, but the many sister magazines that are n- no longer around. And we've always taken the list very seriously. It's, it's 30 years old now, but it's the 31st right. edition. And, you know, I mean, even just to be invited into those meetings, I was w- with the magazine a number of years before I was invited. And it's, it's held close to the vest. The meetings are hotly debated. So we do take it very seriously. But at the same time, it's always nice to uh, see what people's reactions are to it. And, you know, there's, of course, always going to be a mixed reaction. You're never going to please everybody. But it's really cool. Let's just talk before we get into to the list uh, of everything. Uh, talking about kind of Pro Wrestling Illustrated in 2021. Because, you know, I, I grew up as a wrestling fan in the 80s. And, and like you mentioned, Pro Wrestling Illustrated was kind of the staple but there was a dozen magazines on the shelf, you know, that you would see from uh, there was all the different titles that, that kind of were under the banner of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And there was Wrestling Eye and Wrestling World and all this other thing. It seems right now, at least in the United States, that Pro Wrestling Illustrated is kind of the, the, the last of the Mohicans when it comes to pro wrestling magazines. Yeah. And, and there were definitely some lean years there. I mean, I think in the last 10 years, certainly in the early part of the decade, I do think there were some questions about how long we'd be able to uh, hold on. I remember when Stu Sachs was still running the magazine, he ran the magazine for 40 plus years, having those conversations with him and it was really uncertain. I think when the WWE magazine folded, uh, that's probably about 10 years ago now, there was some thought, well, maybe this is a little bit of an opening um, for us uh, to, to kind of corner the marketplace as it was. And in the last several years, as I understand it, Kevin could probably talk about this better, We've had a little bit of a resurgence. I mean, I think there there is more oh. interest. We're, we're putting out more issues uh, each year. Um, I think some of it is kind of the change in, in uh, the media landscape. We've got a podcast, too. We're able to spread the word in ways that we couldn't 
before. I think there's probably a lot of fans who weren't even aware that we're, we're still around. And when they find out, they, they subscribe, they can get the digital edition now. So, yeah, a little, a little bit of a comeback for PWI in the last few years, I'd say. And Al, I appreciate as editor that you get right into promotional mode there and eventually <laughs> we have the digital edition and all that. But it's uh, an honor to be doing this. And I mean, we, we just we were at six issues a year down from we used to have 12 and various specials. Right. We're at nine issues a year now. So in an era where a lot of magazines are just shutting down entirely, you know, we're, we're releasing three extra issues that we were not before. So it, it's a really exciting time for us. And I think it's cool to see some of these people who are former readers who, oh, okay, you're still around. Oh, it's interesting that you're covering this and this and this. And then they come back and then a whole new generation of readers as well that we're trying to bring in. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's like anything else, the, the, the physical copy of anything, whether you're talking about a magazine or, you know, a, a CD, a record, a book, all of the of DVD, like all of these things have kind of just transferred onto digital, like you mentioned. And I find it's really cool, you know, when we were talking about doing this, I was like, well, I, you know, send me a, a copy of the magazine or a link to it. And then I just went online and bought one myself as if I Thank was... You buying one from the newsstand now the newsstand is ethereal you know in, in in the digital universe so to speak so that was pretty cool to be able to do that and that's kind of what you had to do um you had to evolve as a media entity to stay alive yeah and i mean it's especially true you know between 2020 and 2021 and i came on as editor after being a freelancer for many years last year right before the pandemic started so the reality was that a lot less people were going out, understandably so. And for that matter, there were other things that stores had to start, just practically speaking, stocking. Get more things like hand sanitizer, masks, things like that. And one right. of the first things that got taken off shelves was the magazine rack. The, the magazine racks started shrinking. So we still do our best to be in stores wherever, whenever we can. But at the same time, you know, we're always available through our website, individual copies. You can subscribe there it's really important to be able to adapt and just give people that convenience. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that's maybe benefited uh, us, you know, Chris, you talked about um, everything moving to, to digital in terms of music, but also go to like Walmart now and you'll, you won't find almost any CDs, but you'll find a bunch of records, right? Yes, so right, right. there's definitely a market for, for nostalgia. I've gone to, in the last few years, to like VHS conventions where hundreds of people come out <laughs> to load up on like old VHSs and, I think a lot of wrestling fans, especially the ones that have been watching for uh, a long time, are a nostalgic bunch by by nature, and uh, they get a kick out of getting the magazine. And I think Kevin's done a great job of bringing back some features from the past. We brought back the super cards uh, issue, which is where we highlight some of the biggest cards that happened in in one time. And uh, you know, PWI 500 being 30 years old, uh, I think there's a little kind of uh, sentimentality um, attached to it. So even fans who maybe don't pick up every issue are, are going to make this kind of a destination issue. I always loved the uh, the PWA Top 500, and I always loved more so because, Peter, like you mentioned, this is the 30th anniversary. So it started in 91 uh, when I was already in the business because I started in 90. But the one I used to love was the year-end issue, and yeah. it would have the, uh, the year-end awards, and then it would have all the predictions. And this was like the early version of social media where fans would send in their – predictions for the year and some would be serious but the funny ones were always the ones that i love so i would always get that in my christmas stocking like yes i got the year end pwi thanks mom 
you know, it was a big thing as a wrestling fan, those two issues for sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned that with the, uh, the joke awards, the unofficial official awards, because yeah. last year we, I think, and this is an early editorial mistake I made, cut that down from four pages to two pages because there were just so it. many like title change uh, I photos it. and stuff. I, I won it last year and there was like, there's nothing, what happened? To- I got heat oh, for it. Was, were, you the, were you the guy who wrote the handwritten letter about it? Because we, <laughs> we got some emails, we got some letters uh, typed up, some written out. And yeah, there, that was something people, so uh, loud and clear, this year we're going to make sure that there's more of that. Yeah, I, th- I think Kevin's done uh, a good job. And some of it, you know, under Stu, under Stu Stacks, reasonably so, a lot of things were really sacred. I mean, there were things that were like these institutions in the magazine that you didn't touch. And since Kevin's come on board, he's turned a lot of that stuff uh, upside down. I think it's made some readers kind of like, wow, you know, uneasy. And I think even some writers, uh, myself included, there are things like, well, you can't do that. We've never done that. And, um, you know, to his credit and some stuff, as I think he acknowledges, has worked and maybe some stuff hasn't. Another thing that I think we got heat for was that there wasn't a, a woman of the year award. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, which I thought was a progressive thing to do because it was like this. We're going to shortlist all the women in the other categories and they fared well there and won some of them. But, yeah, yeah. people were like, well, we like the woman of the year award. So, yeah, it's going to be back this year. I mean, we listen to people. Right. And, and, and that's what happens. I mean, you won't know unless you try and some stuff. You'll try and it won't work. And some stuff I think has worked uh, really well. But what I think Kevin has been great at is is really reaching a a new audience, the, the, the new wrestling audience, uh, a younger audience. And I think the PWI 500 and some changes we've we've made there in the last couple of years really shows that. So we'll get to this year's rankings, but before we do, I don't know about you guys, but I sleep a lot better in cool environments. That's the truth. I hate sweating when I'm sleeping. I don't like to be hot. And even science has proven that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. Science has shown that temperature-controlled sleep restores testosterone levels, repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and improves cognitive function. So you always start the day on top of your game. So how do you do this? Chili Sleep, that's how. Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. Chili Sleep has the Uller and Cube Sleep systems, and these luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. They're designed to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. I just got one for my bed at home. I can't wait to try it out after the Fozzie tour. I'm going to need some great sleep to make up for the uh, hotel room beds and, and the bunks in the Fozzie bus, even though they're very comfortable, but it's nothing like sleeping in your own bed. So head over to chillysleep.com slash Jericho to learn more and to check out a special offer for you guys, only you guys. It's a limited time offer. So go to chillysleep.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of it while you can. That's C-H-I-L-I sleep.com slash Jericho for the exclusive discount. Wake up refreshed every day. Chillysleep.com slash Jericho. Chillysleep.com slash Jericho. All right, Kevin, Al, did you guys grow up reading Pro Wrestling Illustrated like I did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember I grew up uh, uh, in the Bronx and the rest of my family were uh, a big Yankees fans, so they dragged me to, you know, Yankees games a couple times a week, and it was miserable for me. I was bored to tears, and what kept me going through those was a stack of wrestling magazines. You know, I, I remember in the car reading them uh, back and forth. So yeah, I mean, growing up, Bill After and Stu Sachs and Craig Peters 
were as big stars as, as a lot of the wrestlers on TV. Sure, especially as a journalist. Yeah, I back. I, I'm a few years younger than Al, uh, but of course, all those are big names. Uh, I was reading PWI. I was reading the Wrestler Inside Wrestling, uh, all the other titles that would be under the you know the PWI Kappa banner, but also you know WCW magazine, WWF magazine. I took it all in, and it was huge for me because I would. The thing with today that I think is great. There's more wrestling on television and streaming than you could ever possibly watch. Um, it's We're spoiled for choice, and it's all more accessible than it used to be. That's a great problem to have. It was a little harder to do that back you know, in the early late 80s, early 90s, um, especially if you're younger and you don't necessarily have access to things like tape trading and stuff like that. Right. So the magazines were the way I learned about wrestlers in Japan and Mexico. And I mean, even in just the, the territory days were on their way out, but there were still some some territories that weren't necessarily televised nationally that weren't showing up on TV where I was growing up in Philadelphia. So it was great to have that resource and like, oh, I never knew about this guy before and read about some of the history and read about some of the people who are still around. And then I'd go out and find things where I could, you know, at flea markets at uh, go to Kmart and there would be some really cheap compilation tape of things that uh, took place in other states. It was just open up a new world to me that's that's i hope we can still be that today when there's so much out there to consume and people are not really sure where to start well that's a great point too because you know once again going back to when i was a kid pro wrestling illustrated was your link to you know inside stories and that sort of thing and of course with the advent of the internet and of course you know the 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 dirt sheets or whatever you want to call them the wrestling observers of the world people mm -hmm. are now finding you know more inside information from there and Pro Wrestling Illustrated has never been that kind of a magazine, but you have changed your editorial style as to when, you know, we're not talking out of school here. In the 80s, a lot of those articles were pretty much, you know, whatever Stu or Craig were just making up off the top of their heads. And now yeah. it's, you're actually having real yeah, conversations and thoughts and, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just legit now, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you guys right. might not even be able to say that, I know, I, I remember yeah. when I, one time I got sued by Larry Zabisco right. uh, for using large, larger than life. And he used pro wrestling illustrated magazine as evidence that he was the uh, original larger than life. And I was like, I, I remember saying like these magazines, it's not even real. <laughs> can you not say that officially? And I was like, well, no, no, we can say it. I mean, Stu did a really good interview with pop matters. The, the website a few years ago, right. it was, and a bunch of uh, Craig Peters, I think did as well. And Bill after it was real, really, really great piece. People should go out and check that. Um, and it was pretty much mostly revealed by that point that certain things were, you know, not a hundred percent on the up and up. Um, yeah, but it, yeah. the reason for that, I mean, Back in the 80s, when they would go to write these articles and interview the wrestlers, they're like, well, you know how I talk. Just go, yeah. like I'm busy. You, you're going to write the same exact thing if you yeah, imagine yeah. it that I would tell you. And that's how they started doing it. And that continued even right. to I started with the magazine in 2006, 2007. I did. It. Yeah. Yeah. In the early days, we did. N not anymore. No, um, no. Um, I, I mean, it's been maybe 10 years more since we, we yeah. it, it was kind of um, gradually phasing out some stuff. But I remember it, it was really a different job. I mean, um, it was a lot more creative because you know mm -hmm. you sort of come up with angles uh, and and stuff and and hope that they would fly. I remember um, talking to Stu on the phone when he first brought me on board, and it was like kind of the quick you know orientation, 
what you can do and what you can't do. And the two like big no-nos were, you can't quote Vince McMahon. That's one guy who you, you couldn't um, make up quotes. <laughs> and the other one was Rob Van Dam for some reason. <laughs> yeah, really? He was the other one, yeah. And and I, I think maybe he said something um, somewhere along oh, the way. Said that, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, we had some fun. And, and even it was a learning curve for me even a few years ago. I remember writing something and in, including like a work quote in the story. And Stu asked me, like, did you really get this? And I told yeah. him, no. <laughs> and and it was clear then that like, all right, this is like a different era. The, the, we can't do this anymore. It was a similar thing for me. I remember I went and turn, either turned something in or like, should I quote this guy or something like that? And he said, like, no, we're going to set up an interview. Like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. We're actually sending because we would do interviews, but they were. They were the long form Q and A sit down serious where the people are maybe talking about stuff. It's a little more out of character and then it just, yeah, kind of, kind of switched it And I mean, I'm glad to see that. And we will still do little fun winks at the past here and there. Like I hate to spoil this for anybody who didn't already know Matt Brock and Liz Hunter were not real people. Those were fake names. Um, they actually made a cameo on AW. AW I forget. It might've been Tony Khan that reached out, but somebody reached out and said like, are we okay to, can we use our, and like, yeah, go ahead. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, they wanted to get permission. Cause I guess it's technically like PWI <laughs> property, but it was cool. Um, and I didn't know what they were going to do exactly, but like, can we use these names on air? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And then they appeared at the press conference. But I mean, even like last year, uh, Dr. Sidney M. Basil, who was, you know, supposed to be the uh, wrestling psychologist, another invented character. Uh, but he interviewed, scare quotes mjf last year it was it was an actual interview but it was i i did the interview but but on the page it was sydney and we did it in that 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 style like okay i'm going to interview you like i'm a doctor trying to get to the bottom of what's wrong with you and (laughs) you know and mjf was like just ready to give it back to me anything i would say to him like like why are you so defensive about this? What are you saying? I'm defensive. I'm not defensive. I'm the least defensive person in the world. You know, whatever he said. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And I think, you know, occasionally to do that kind of stuff with the caveat that we're, you know, actually going out there and talking to people and not just making it up out of thin air. It's, it's still fun to get that in there once in a while. Well, and it means something, you know, like we say, we, we, I remember, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, if you had a wrestling magazine in your bag, remember Bad News Allen saying, hey, "We got a wrestling magazine for you, a marker." He used another <laughs> word that you can't use or I'll get canceled. You're either a marker or this. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a, a this to me. And uh, as as time progresses, obviously, you know, to see your name in the magazine is a huge deal. And you know, here we are in 2021. I just, matter of fact, we'll talk about this in a bit. I pulled up my all my rankings ever in the pro wrestling illustrated top 500 just to see awesome. what what my best ones were but it, even though you'd be like oh it's all just the work or who cares guys care they want to know where where did i land you know <laughs> what, what am i here on the top 500 so let's talk about this because once again it is one of the major moments in the pro wrestling illustrated year how do you begin to put together the pro wrestling illustrated top 500 list yeah, I think you should take. You've been doing this longer than I have. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, Magazine's been around for for thirty years. The, the five hundred, and and I'm um, fortunate enough to have been pretty involved in the last fifteen of them. I, I put together the top ten and do some other work for them. Um, I'd say, you know, sometime in uh, the, the early spring, we start thinking about it. I think throughout the year, we're watching stuff and kind of taking mental notes. 
And then um, we'll meet typically in June. It used to be an in-person meeting, which in a lot of ways was, was uh, a lot of fun because people would drive, you know, riders are kind of scattered throughout uh, the country and it would mm -hmm. become like this annual uh, sort of adventure into uh, Blue Bluebell, Pennsylvania, right? Just outside of uh, yeah. Philadelphia to the Capitol offices. And we'd get together, you know, in early morning and we'd sort of hash it out. And at the time, you know, there were resumes and and videotapes, you know, stacks and, and we're passing eight by tens around. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's changed a lot um, throughout the years. We, we still get, you know, a lot of independent wrestlers reaching out to us. More of it is email, I imagine, Twitter, stuff like that. You get still some photos sent in the mail here and there. Yeah. You still get tapes? I don't think so. <laughs> you need I, a I, got a bunch. <laughs> I haven't gotten a tape in the last year, but definitely like letter, handwritten letter with the accomplishments and resume style. and Yeah. yeah and, and so last few years, you know, we get together in something like this, like a Zoom or, or before Zoom, it would be like go to meeting and, and Dan Murphy would put it together mm -hmm. and we hash it out usually over uh, a couple nights. You know, we won't get through the whole 500, but we'll put a big dent in it, you know, certainly prioritize the top 10. And uh, I'd say even the, the top 100, uh, that's where we're generally dealing with kind of the, the bigger names. There's always a, a big, big conversation about number one. Some years it, it's more obvious than others. I think this year it's about as close as I can remember, you know, in terms of it's almost I think uh, my co-host on, on the podcast said it was almost like sort of one A and one B because they, they right. both had such great years um, and there were people arguing in, in both directions and eventually uh, you come to a, a consensus. You know, whether it was Stu years ago or Kevin now, they've got the final call. I mean, the one that I remember uh, always is The Miz uh, as as number one uh, a few years back. And Stu was not happy about that. But I, I think there was understanding like, well, what else are we going to do? I remember Stu wanted Edge that year, but he uh, he retired officially. And that was one of the rules once. If So we're, we're, we're looking year. right here for 2011 is what you're talking about. Yeah. The Miz was number one. Mm -hmm. And then Rob Van Dam, or sorry, sorry, Randy Orton is number two, and uh, John Cena is number three in that year. So you were talking about how Miz was the number one with controversy, and and how, you were explaining how you chose the Miz. So continue. Yeah, uh, you know, and and one of the, the the problems was that because of the lag in the magazine, by the time that it ran in print. Miz had had dropped down in the cards pretty significantly. So you know, you put the magazine out and Miz is on the cover and he's number one and he's sort of working mid card matches and, and losing. And it didn't look great for us, um, you know, and uh, Stu Sachs, our editor at the time, uh, really wanted Edge. Edge would have been great there, but he had just retired. And right. So he's out of our rules. Yeah. So he, we couldn't consider him. Um, and another thing that that is really important that people have to take into consideration and it really kind of like complicates things is the evaluation period, which is essentially the midpoint of one year to the midpoint of uh, the other year. And so, you know, somebody might have had a better 2010 or a better 2011, but not, you know, midpoint 2010 to midpoint 2011. The other one I remember a lot was um, Jinder Mahal who had a, a, a good long run as WWE champion and never did that well in the magazine because it was kind of like part of it was, was one period and then part of his run was in the other period. And it's just the way it worked out. 
All right, so we already talked about Kenny Omega being number one this year and the controversy it caused with fans who believe it should have been Roman Reigns. So we'll talk about the criteria you used and how many people at the magazine were part of the decision-making uh, process. But right now, not many people know this, but my friend Steven Singer actually started out as a jewelry and diamond wholesaler. He sold to other jewelry stores, not people, but he decided to sell directly to people like us after he saw other jewelers focusing on all the wrong things. Steven Singer saw them treating the jewelry business as a pricing game just to make a buck, and that's not how Steven sees the jewelry business. Steven believes the jewelry business is the love business, and he wanted to help people celebrate love with diamonds. Steven never wanted to be in the jewelry business. He wanted to be and currently is in the love business. And Steven Singer is the love store. It's the place to buy real diamonds jewelry for your real love. And Steven has been in the love business for over four decades because he knew he could deliver better quality jewelry at a much better price. And he wanted to treat people like friends and not paychecks. There's no gotchas, no sales, no hassle at Steven Singer Jewelers. Just easy and fun and the smartest way to buy jewelry and diamonds for the moments that matter most. Real diamonds from a real jeweler you can trust. Call, chat, text, Zoom, visit his showroom, or find him online at IHateStevenSinger.com. So we talked about Kenny Omega being number one. And there was some controversy this year because a lot of people were saying Roman Reigns uh, should be in there. Once again, what factors are you using? Because, you know, like we said, this is a pro wrestling magazine, but this is a real list. This is a real uh, group of opinions. And, and how many people are involved in making this decision? I think we had working on the, the, the actual meeting. We probably had about six. We have another... Okay probably almost half a dozen people who are contributing in some way because they have a specialty in one region or, or style of wrestling and they would right. submit their thoughts. So do you uh, guys kind of get together and, and, and say, what are your top 10? What are your top 10? Right. Put them all together and rate them. Or who is there someone who has the final decision? I'm the editor and this is what we're doing. I try to respect as Stu did like the consensus. Uh, if someone real, if I really disagreed with something, but everybody else likes it, then you know i'm i the, the reason the group is assembled the way it is is because the people who are uh called into it know what they're talking about um right, right. and then it's it's something like you know we have these criteria but i like to say they're some of the criteria are objective we look at things like wins and losses lengths of title reigns the types of opponents people uh, face, but then that's where it starts to get a little subjective. Like, what what is the quality of competition this person faced? Uh, how good are they from bell to bell? Like the actual moves they're doing, the uh, the quality of their matches. That's a little more subjective, and that's where some of the debate comes in. Um, but you kind of look like, okay, what did this person mean to the industry overall? How many of these boxes did they tick, and how well did they tick them? This year, I can say for sure, even though we generally do make up our own short lists. Basically, the way I started in the meeting, I was pretty confident it was going to be Kenny, even though I, I knew it would be close with him and Roman. And I said, does anyone have a case for anybody besides Kenny Omega being number one this year? And then, I mean, 
Al, you could really take it from there because you're you're the one who argued, even though you came around on Kenny being the right choice, you you made an argument for Roman. I, I did. And and there are even other factors to consider, like, you know, the cover of the magazine, right? So, sure. so who works on the cover? Not that that would be any kind of decision maker, but just realistically speaking. A, it, that's bonus, though. Like, yeah. Well, how, how do you mean by that, Al? Who works on the cover? What do you mean? Well, I'll take you back to like uh, Dean Malenko in uh, 1996 or seven. He was our number one. This is before I was in the magazine. But I mean, you weren't yeah. out a magazine with Dean Malenko on the cover on, on PWI gotcha. uh, 500. And I would actually go a step further than that, too, Al, because the, I believe he was number two that year at Misawa. Mm, right. Um, but if yeah. he wasn't number two, he was top five. And in retrospect, yeah, Dean was one, Misawa was two. So right. it, was, it was a year where in WWF and WCW, there wasn't any real one dominant world champion who you could say this was for sure the top guy right. in that company. And that's something we look at. Yeah. You and, know, and Sal I, was doing this incredible work. And I think there was some reluctance back then, like, okay, do our readers, do we cover Masawa enough? Do our readers know who he is? You know, the magazine gets out to Japan, but they have their own magazines over there. Yeah. PWI is not the institution it is. So there are things like that you consider, but I mean, you know, so Okada was the one. Basically what you're saying, Kevin, that's interrupt yeah. is that, who's going to be the best for sales. Like in that time frame in 97, 98, Dean Malenko would not sell as many copies of a magazine as Stone Cold Steve Austin would. Yep. Right. But that Dean's would never one. be a deciding factor, but I do think it's something that you have. And that, and, and the okay. decision there might be, how do we put together the cover? And I think the Dean Malenko year, it was like a collage, right? Well, that's gotcha. inevitably what ends up happening because there was a year where Okada was top of the list and it's like, okay, yeah, we've, we've mentioned Okada. He's been ranked. Is he going to be number one? You know, does he get the cover? Do we do a collage? Have we been doing too many collages? And then, and then you know, eventually Stu pulls back and says, wait, like, we have to pick the right person for the list. These are just things we need to talk about later. But the right, right. guy is Okada. Right. You know, and it was so, I mean, like, Roman Reigns would sell a ton of magazines. We had him on the cover of the previous issue. So it's just something to think about during sure. the meeting and start talking about. But that's not the deciding factor. I, I think that that one of the the really cool things um, about the PWI 500 because inevitably you put it out and everybody's got their own list and everybody disagrees one way or the other and as mm -hmm. as Kevin touched on even internally we we disagree you know I I made the case for Roman Reigns and eventually came around but I think the fact that it is done by committee and uh, a committee of people who have followed uh, the business for for so long is that the the product in the end is pretty objective you know it is the the product of a lot of people's opinion it's not because i've got my favorites kevin's got his favorites and if any one of us was doing this uh, list unilaterally it wouldn't be what the 500 uh, has been so i mean over the years if if we had to do over again would some people be moved around um for sure but i do think each year we put out something that is really um you know, well-reasoned, uh, defendable. And I think that's absolutely the case uh, this year. And when people complain, it's not to dismiss their complaints, but you have to, again, understand that there's a difference between who you like and who your favorites are. There are people who would have, you know, the most absurd people uh, as number one based on whatever. He, he's got the most exciting moves or he's just my favorite. And that's, we do have a criteria and we stick to it, even though, even within the criteria, there's, there's some room for judgment calls. Let's talk about the fan reactions to the top 500. Always very uh, controversial, always very vociferous, the fans. But before we get into all that, I got a recommendation for any up-and-coming wrestler looking to make the list or climb the list of the top 500, up your in-ring game with DDP Yoga. 
DDP Yoga will keep you loose and limber and help your cardio. That's my secret. I do it after my AW matches, after Fozzie gigs, before Fozzie gigs. DDPY is easy on the joints. It's good for any age and any skill level, and you don't have to be an athlete to do the DDPY program. Just download the app onto your phone and get going. It's available on iOS and Android. And to make it even easier for you, Dallas has given everyone free access to the DDPY app for seven days. And then he's one-upping that with 20% off a DDPY subscription. Just sign up at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to take advantage of the offer. DDPY is a great program. You go at your own pace. Hundreds of workouts to choose from. And you can even get some motivation from DDP himself. So go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Sign up for seven days of free access to the DDPY app and take advantage of 20% off the DDPY app as well. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Watch the inspiring story as well about how Dallas created the DDPY program with the new documentary Relentless, available now on Amazon Prime. On top of that, once again, get in the best physical and mental shape of your life. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. It works for me. I'm telling you right now, it will work for you too. So now that you make your choice and stick with Kenny Omega, are you ever surprised at how into it people get? Because there's been a lot of controversy about it not being Roman. Yeah, uh, the WWE fans are always very, very vocal. You get it on both sides, right? I mean, if we picked the Roman, we'd get hell from the AEW fans over Kenny. And uh, either one, we get hell from a bunch of other people who think it should be, you know, whoever their favorite wrestler is. But yeah, you know, it is both sort of like the toughest part of putting uh, the most annoying part of the, the 500 and also in a weird way, kind of the most rewarding part, because it speaks to how much this means to people, you know, that, that they are. It, it's kind of like in, in, in your business, right? I mean, what you don't want is apathy, um, what, yep. whether they're cheering or they're booing, you want them to feel emotionally connected. And I think that's kind of the equivalent for us. And we're certainly not trying to piss people off, even if it seems like it sometimes. Um, well, it's, it's not pissing people off. It's just the opinion that you have, right? That's, that's, that's the secret. Yeah. No, and I mean, I stand by the, given our criteria, I mean, especially because, I mean, we're not the kayfabe publication that we were in the 80s, but at the same time, we still have that sports-based element to it. We still use the word compete rather than, we'll, we'll say perform, but it's rare. We, we approach it more like the, the sport that it is, as well as the art form. Um, and Roman was incredible as far as the art form has uh, goes. He was great matches, storylines, next level promos. So good. Uh, nobody could deny that his work was incredible and that he was the top guy in WWE this year. When it came down to it though, we looked at Kenny being the world champion of three different major established wrestling companies at the same time. That's Brian Solomon's pointed this out a couple of times, one of our contributing writers and the podcast host with uh, Al. Um, Brian pointed out that I think nobody in North America had accomplished that same feat since Luthez. So, I mean, mm. think about that. How can we, right. as a magazine that pretends, that has wrestling in the name, that has this history of covering it as a sport? I mean, even internally at our, our parent company, it's referred to as the sports department where we're covering it. It's not the pop culture department. You know, looking at it that way, I mean, who could it, who could it, else could it have been? But it was close. And I mean, Roman Reigns, there's absolutely no knocking him. And I think just about any other year, he's number one. 
So and, and that's another thing that I think separates the 500 from any other list in, that you see yeah. people put together is that we're literally, when, when we meet, we're looking at wins and losses. I mean, that's so much of what these meetings are, is somebody pull up so-and-so's uh, win-loss record, and you go back to the, the date of the beginning of the, of the evaluation period, and you're counting. He won this one. He lost this one. Won this one, but this wasn't on TV. Doesn't count as much. I mean, how, you know, how, and, how much? And this was a title reign. How, how many defenses yeah. did they have in the title um, reign? And yeah. And I think that's the the perspective and the viewpoint that nobody else does. You know, we're we're. I don't like to say it this way, but we're treating it as if it was real, right? So, uh, and, well, sure. And that cuts both ways because what that doesn't account for, in uh, some ways, is that. Uh, very often wrestlers um, are not the masters of their fate, right? So that a guy lost a bunch of matches doesn't mean that he's any good. It means that, you know, whoever was kind of calling the shots chose for this guy um, to lose. So you have to consider that too. But none of this is to say this guy is a good wrestler or this guy sucks. Uh, the reality is that there are tons of awesome, awesome wrestlers who don't make the 500 uh, at all. So it it is a ranking of all the wrestlers uh, but I also really like to think of it um, as a snapshot of wrestling in that particular uh, year. And it, it's not to say that we don't want wrestlers to take it seriously, because I do think it could be both a point of pride for somebody who does really well, kind of a, an attaboy that like you, you had a fantastic year. Right. And for somebody who maybe was, you know, in, in the top 10 one year and then sees himself slip to the top 50, uh, maybe it motivates them, you know, again, in as much as some of this is is um, out of their control. But yeah, I mean, I, you talked about pulling up all your rankings um, through the years. You know, I'm sure it kind of shows like this sort of curve of where you were on, throughout your whole career. Well, and just one more thing, too, if you're talking about Kenny versus Roman and you're talking about pro pro wrestling illustrated, I don't think Roman had as many great matches as Kenny did. Um just by proxy of what WWE is and what AEW is. And like you said, combine that with what he's doing in, in, in Mexico and the impact stuff. And it's like, that's kind of Kenny's gimmick. And, and maybe Roman might have a little bit more in the character department, although Kenny's really pulled that up as well with Don Callis, especially. So to me, you know, watch me start getting, you know, <laughs> you're a AEW, you know, sicko fan. <laughs> it's not the case. I think you picked it right. I think Kenny is number one. And I think Roman is number two over as much as I'd like to say, well, I'm number two or I'm number one. I think you guys got it right for, for the two best guys for their respective companies, for sure. Actually, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention now, Chris, you, this was probably a blip for you and you don't even remember it. But last year when John Moxley was number one and you were number three, that was mentioned on television. What did I say? You mentioned, you said that to me when we were tweeting. What I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, I figured. You said Kevin McElvaney is a moron when, uh, when Tony Giovanni. <laughs> and it was, it was funny because I got texts from people I hadn't heard from in years. Like I was just watching Dynamite. And oh my god! Like I turned, I turned my head. Like what was? Did they really just mention Kevin? And my mom actually messaged me later that night and said, "Who is who is that guy who called you a moron? Like I want to punch him in the face." <laughs> and I said, "Mom, you don't get it. It's I. It was." A great moment. All apologies to uh, Mother McElvaney. <laughs> <laughs> but this it brings up an interesting question, though. I mean, with I mean, obviously, AEW has been around for a few years, but now kind of coming on strong to where now we're we're beating WWE in certain areas and have all the momentum. Uh, just as taking a little segue away from the five hundred, how does that help your business with with the magazines and the publications? 
it's great to have more stuff to cover. Uh, it's right. a challenge to, to cover more things, but certainly it's good to have variety in the magazine and to have these, you know, just in terms of we had the, the Wednesday night war to write about when, uh, when that was ongoing, but just new people to feature new storylines to feature the magazine looks a little bit different just by virtue of, I mean, there's a great camera crew at AEW and I can't shout out every single person, but I mean, Lee South does incredible ringside stuff. Yes. Um, and to have access to that. And I, we've sent photographers as well and they've done great work and we're happy to do that. So, that's that's a really cool thing and i it just reminds me yeah the 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 80s when you had jim crockett and you had vince mcmahon and you had you know these two juggernauts in different ways going head to head but then you had all this great territorial wrestling happening you had world class in the awa we have that now you know nationally and internationally and it's and it's easier to see it than it's been because there are there are all these you know streaming services you have the iwtv mm-hmm. and fight tv and all this other stuff that just makes it a lot easier. And I mean, for that matter, new Japan has their service, you know, right. Uh, every, every promotion has a way of getting the product to you. Uh, even if you can't catch it on television live. And I, I think that's really a great thing, but it's, it's also awesome to see that, uh, you know, wrestling is doing well on cable. And I mean, that that's for, you know, AEW has been doing really well lately in that regard. Um, you know, certainly WWE is uh, doing well in a lot of ways too. It's it's a good time to cover wrestling. It's a good time to watch wrestling. And yeah, I would. Sure, how do you feel? Pleasure. Yeah, I, I think it was really exciting when AEW came on board because even the wrestling magazine, it's just more fun and more interesting when there's there's more to cover. And and I yep. think about that period after WCW folded. And I think uh, for a couple of years after that, in the PWI 500, WWE had eight out of the top 10 spots. And that's great, good for them. But you know, this year, I think there's four different companies represented uh, in the top 10. And that's great for everyone. And, and Kevin's been uh, great about highlighting a lot of different uh, wrestling promotions in the magazine. And it kind of goes back to the discussion we were talking about the covers. Like on, on one hand, you know, I think back to the 80s and I remember, you know, they jump at any opportunity to put Hulk Hogan on the cover because Hulk Hogan sold a lot of magazines. And in the 90s, it was Steve Austin or The Rock. And and in my time, I remember, you know, we'd have John Cena. I feel like I don't want to exaggerate too much, but but several times a year, John Cena would be on the cover of the magazine. And that's great because, right, I mean, a picture of Hulk Hogan or, or John Cena is going to sell magazines. But I think um, Kevin's also kind of taken a different philosophy is that besides just sort of catering to that, we also have responsibility to um, similarly to as, as what Kevin was saying growing up, how this was our exposure for, for a lot of fans to different territories that you wouldn't know. You know, we've regularly now been been running features in every issues about wrestlers that I haven't even heard of. And, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, but with AEW specifically, I think it was apparent to us right away that this wasn't the latest kind of fly by night thing. And, and one of the things, you know, I talk about Stu Sachs kind of being the, the, the traditionalist and there were these institutions that were very sacred. And one of them was world titles. Right. And world title uh, a designation was was something we took very, very seriously. And I think I don't know if it was before the first AEW show, but, or maybe it was before Dynamite was on the air. Uh, yeah. We collectively made the call that the AEW title is a world title, you know. Um, so it was that clear to us, you know, right away that this was a, a seismic shift in pro wrestling. 
And practically speaking, what that meant, Chris, is like when you won the championship, we didn't have to call you just AEW champion in the magazine. You were AEW world champion. Whereas I could go buy a replica belt somewhere right now and call myself the uh, Kevin McElvaney champ- world champion or whatever. Gotcha. So that that's a whole different from the sports era of the magazine. But, you know, AEW right out of the gate, it was all of us at the magazine understood this is something special. Let's talk about 500, the number 500, uh, and how you come up with 500 wrestlers total to include in the list in the first place. And we'll do that. But first, a thank you to Geico for supporting Talk is Jericho. Now, do you own or rent your home? If you do, you know it can be hard work. But you know what's easy is bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. So now we, we look at the top 10 for this year, and obviously we know it's Kenny, Roman, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Kota Ibushi, Mox, Osprey, Finn Balor, uh, Shingo, and and Rich Swan. So it's a very uh, uh, diverse list of all the companies, which is great. But the question I always had is, how the hell do you get 500 wrestlers? Who's responsible for like okay, one to 150, 200? Then after that, like there's people that I've never even heard of before, and they're looking for their rankings too. I'll never forget. When we were up in Providence in the mid 2000s, there was a guy called Alfredo the Danger Boy. And uh, <laughs> another guy was called the Wolfman or something. And they had like high school letterman jackets with their pro wrestling illustrated rankings. <laughs> like Alfredo the Danger Boy, number 425. <laughs> wow. So for him, that was a big deal. So, how are you finding all these wrestlers and also keeping in mind that this means something to every single one of them i think it's kind of been the opposite problem for us over the uh, past couple years i mean maybe this is my own i watch way too much wrestling in general but i mean now i can justify it with it's my job full time uh but lots of independent and international wrestling i mean also we've we have opened up to you know there, there were a handful of women who ranked in the 500 over the years uh but it was only ever one or two every now and then now, because there's a lot more intergender wrestling, people competing for the same championships, it says, it's, it's our thinking that if someone's doing that, they can also appear in the 500. So you open that up and we end up cutting people. I mean, I, I had a couple of wow. people even I saw on, on Twitter and I felt kind of bad, like say, oh, I didn't make the list. And I'm thinking privately, you were right there. We had to cut you because there's too many people. And then, um, I mean, when the list first started, that was not the case. I think no. 500 wrestlers who were really active it was difficult to uh, track them all and see what they were all doing. And obviously the internet's helped a lot in that regard. But I, I remember on the first list, I think was Mr. Fuji on it. And I, I don't think he wrestled. I remember movie. Zeus being maybe the first one. And, and obviously, I mean, I think in his lifetime, Zeus yeah. wrestled four or five matches. So <laughs> yeah. on that year, you know, he got on the list, maybe wrestling once uh, uh, something mm-hmm. like that. So it's definitely changed. Yeah. As Kevin said, I think the harder job is like, 
who do you cut, right? You know, and um, the criteria. Well, and keeping are, track of it all. It is yeah. hard to keep track of this many wrestlers. Uh, Roosh, who was the champion um, in Ring of Honor for most of the evaluation period, is not on our list. And that's uh, in large part because of activity. I think it used to be pretty assumed that if you worked for WWE, you were getting on the list, right? Because you had to be one of the top 500 wrestlers in the world to make it to the, the big leagues. That's absolutely not the case uh, anymore. Um, so I do think it, it's a lot more kind of methodical the way we look at it now. So how could Roosh not be in it? You mentioned was he an active or something? Or? Yes, right. So we have, uh, and this is something. This is actually uh, one of my babies was actually coming up with the standards uh, years ago. I came up with it. I don't even remember it now. <laughs> Kevin probably remembers, but but because this was always an issue, it was like, it's, well, it's was this guy matches. active or not? What is it's, it again? It's ten matches or six matches in six separate months to allow for say the Nick Aldises of the world who, who come out and have a big defense every month, that kind of right. thing. Right. Gotcha. And Roosh just didn't work enough um, o- over the year and kind of further complicating that uh, this year and, and last year to some extent too is COVID, right? So mm-hmm. there was a lot of wrestlers. It, it wasn't by their own choice that they're, they weren't wrestling. There, there wasn't wrestling to be had, right? I mean, a lot of uh, right. Nick right, Aldis right. is a good one. I mean, being the NWA champion, NWA was down longer than most companies. Um, so, so Nick just didn't work a whole lot. He is on the list, though. You mentioned, uh, and I tried to find for uh, uh, the 500 spot. Uh, this is always the uh, much discussed position to be in. And I tried to find a list of all the top uh, 500, the number 500 guy. I couldn't find it anywhere. But this year, it is uh, Lulu Pencil. Mm-hmm. And I had no freaking idea who Lulu Pencil is. Except for now, I think she's an AW, maybe something. something <laughs> I didn't your coworker. <laughs> Everybody's an AW. That's the thing. It's it's they get they they snatch up. Lulu the, the Pencil's best an AW. Who the hell is Lulu Pencil? <laughs> so so Lulu Pencil has been coming out to the ring with Emi Sakura. She was with her uh, for the Casino Battle Royale the other, okay. the other night. Yeah, but she hasn't. I, I as far as I know, she hasn't actually wrestled for AEW yet. She's been like a, a manager, kind of a kind of a. I don't want to say comedy character because it's not done like over the top goofball thing. It's more that she is not by trade a wrestler. She's actually, I believe a journalist, but definitely a freelance writer of some kind. And that's the name Lulu pencil. She brings, and she brings a giant pencil out with her. She wears overalls to the ring. She's still very much learning her craft, but working very, very hard at it. Doesn't get a lot of wins. Had this big rivalry with, Chris Brooks over in Japan, who's a fantastic British wrestler who's been competing a lot in DDT and and got to move, which is where Lulu Pencil wrestles. She has this huge cult following. And given that she was wrestling Chris Brooks and wrestling these intergender tag matches and, and working so hard, it felt right to acknowledge her. And then an independent wrestler by the name of Paro, who uh, based out of Florida, just big hoss type, great guy. He suggested kind of offhandedly tagged us. Hey, why don't you make like an alternate for the 500th wrestler? <laughs> so this Alter- got some steam behind it when people realized like the Lulu pencil fans, they call themselves the pencil army <laughs> realized <laughs> that this was like, Oh, Hey, we really should petition them. And it got like a lot of steam behind it. And I thought, well, you know, we can't reprint the magazine, but there's, I don't see any reason why we can't have our artists make up a new cover with Lulu as the, as the cover star acknowledging she's number 500 and it, it really blew up. There's just people all over the world. People in Japan are very excited about it. And, you know, again, it's not, it's not available to buy. It's just like, you can download it. It has the same specs as the print version. You can slap it on the cover of the magazine. I love that kind of stuff. I think, you know, it's fun. Someone like that would probably normally 
at the level she's competing now would not get on the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So to be able to give her really diehard fans this, uh, this you know, kind of thing to latch onto was was really cool. But you're right, the 500 spots always it's traditionally this kind of gimmick spot. Last year it was Dan the Dad, who, who's just this Midwestern dad. That's his gimmick. He wears jean shorts to the ring. He drinks a, a sips a cup of uh, a mug of coffee. It's usually that kind of thing. Shockwave the robot one year. That's what I was just looking up now. That was the one. Shockwave the robot. Um, Al mentioned Zeus was number one in the first edition. 500, yeah. But it's an interesting thing to do. Yeah, kind of, I, that was even news to me. I didn't know that that we had the uh, the oh, cover. That's thing, yeah. right. Yeah. All right, so let's discuss Shockwave the robot and Dan the Dad. <laughs> I mean, like once again, like you you know when you put these guys at five hundred, yeah, that if you're not in the top ten, being number five hundred is the one that everybody checks. Absolutely, yeah. Right? I think we even have a shirt right uh, that we put out that uh, I was five hundred and one or something in the in the yeah, and like that was this lousy t shirt or yeah, there's a couple yeah. of wrestling tees. Yeah, I think it's one place where you know, and and Kevin talked about you know, it's as much as the magazine has changed over the years and kind of become uh, more serious uh, journalism. That's always been a spot where we could still have some fun. Sure, five hundred because we know everybody turns to it. I mean, it's one of those things you do when you get the five hundred who is number 500 and it's both an opportunity maybe to introduce people to somebody you haven't heard of, but also have some fun. And I remember going to an indie show years ago and, and shockwave was there and he was the big, he's like the biggest star on the show. Like, oh, it's shockwave the robot. <laughs> That's so yeah. Cause I'm looking through uh, uh, Andre head was 2007, number 500. No idea Kevin Kirby, knows. Kevin Kirby, 1995. But here's one. You want to go back uh, 20 years to 2001 Number 500 is a, a wrestler named Pepper Parks. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Butcher, He's right? now in AW as The Blade. The Blade, yes. I'm sorry to get them confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the, the other great thing about that spot is, you know, we, we typically feature one one or two photos per page. Uh, so, you know, most most people's photos is not in the 500. But I think kind of as a rule, right, we, we always have a photo of the number 500 wrestler. This year we yeah. did not. <laughs> yeah, that that's I I think it was honestly I believe we tried to and we're having a hard time getting in touch with anybody who could get us a photo. I I know that's a boring and bad reason, but we have <laughs> we've editorial lead times. So, but yeah, typically we do. I know Dan the Dad was in last year's Shockwave is in the year he was 500. So, uh as we start to wind down here, I got a bone to pick with you, McIlvaney. Don't make me call you a moron on TV. <laughs> uh, I have dropped 16 spaces. <laughs> From number three to number 19. So it's still the top 20 because I'm looking through here. Uh, 42, 26, I was number 10 in 1998. And then I was number two in 2009. How could you not put me at number one? You put the f- Miz at number one, <laughs> not me. And then, and then I'm in number three last year and then number 19 this year. You know what? I don't take it back. You are a moron. <laughs> I, one thing I could say, Chris, is that I was not on the committee in 2009. I believe Al may have been. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who was number one that year, I wonder? Oh, nine. I bet you it was Cena. I mean, Cena, I think, had – does he have a record, I think? Uh, he was at I least three. Yeah. yeah, and he was in the top ten for – Oh, no, crazy, it was not like, Cena. Well, 13 it was not Cena. Who was it? Triple H. Triple H. I remember oh, boy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Still I've, been, I've been the wrestling observer wrestler of the year three times only flair and and uh and kobayashi have more 
And I've never been number one in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think you're you're a good example of something we talked about it, which is just sort of like that evaluation period. I remember that run where you were uh, number two, sort of started in the middle of one year and kind of went into the the, the middle of next year. So it, yeah, it kind of tripped us up a, a little bit. I think our apologies. But Blames you. That's what I, I do for everything. That uh, of course, it's past. it's all freaking uh, Bill Aptor's fault. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, this Bill, he's been he's been off on his own for so many years and he still gets so much crap it's <laughs> yeah. called the after mags they'll always yeah, be called right. after yeah mags. and i will say you know i talked to bill yesterday or the day before we're still and i mean he's not working at the magazine anymore but i mean he's very helpful if like hey do you remember this or know where this might be or blah 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 and he bill's fantastic and you know still active on social media everyone should go follow him he's bill after he's a legendary guy um so let me see what, what you guys came up with for this year. Uh, Chris Jericho, number 19. So it's not bad. It's still top top 20. Yeah. Uh, Cody, Cody and Darby are ahead of me. So I'm still probably top five in AW, which isn't bad. Uh, 31 and three. What is that? Career career year? Is that the numbers there? 31 and three. So maybe 31 years wrestling. And yeah. uh, I was number three last year. And then yeah. it says uh, Judas by Fozzie. Master of reinvention remains relevant as ever at age 50. After being betrayed by MJF, returned to good graces of AEW fans along with his inner circle stablemates, traded wins with Orange Cassidy and a memorable 2020 feud. That's my write up for this year. Yes, I believe Al wrote that. Yeah. Yes. You wrote that out? Oh, nice. Yes. Thanks, man. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, are, you did, despite. Technically coming out on the losing end of that feud, you were a couple spots ahead of Orange. So still, uh, obviously, and as you mentioned, number five in the company. So you're, hey, you're yeah, still... it's, it's, it's Kenny, Mox, uh, uh, Cody, Darby, and me. I'll take it. It's not mm -hmm. bad, right? Yeah. So how long does it take? You mentioned compiling. I'm, I'm envisioning almost like uh, a CSI thing where you've got a board and you're putting <laughs> these names up here and putting this here and like not only making the list of the 500, but then writing the little blurbs for everybody. I mean that this must take months and months and months of work. But we don't have months and months, but that is but we do have a month or so, which the part of the evaluation period being a, a factor, but we have to get this out when it's still relevant. Sure. Um, so I mean my approach this year taking what I learned from last year was to actually have more writers and you're, you're always a little bit you're you're calling people in, you're trusting them with these people where they're ranked and that they're going to be on the list at all which is held very close to the vest um, was to let more people in this year and to, to uh, have more freelancers contributing who've been doing great work with the magazine, because otherwise, I mean, we're not going to get that done in time. You need a bunch of people working, you know, Al's plugging away at his entries and Harry Burkett, another senior writer plugging away at his and some of our other longtime writers, some people we've just brought in over the past, you know, six to 12 months. Um, but it's, it's a challenge. And then you got to get the photos together. You got to get the pages designed. You got to proofread everything and you got to get it off to the printer before the date that, uh, is on the calendar or it's not going to hit newsstands when it's supposed to, which is yeah, a problem. And it's always in, in the summer months where we're putting this together. So, uh, yeah. I always have this kind of picture and, and, and the chair by a lot of, uh, uh, other writers of, you know, sitting here and kind of looking out the window and the weather's really nice and you see people, you know, playing outside <laughs> and you're just in front of the keyboard, click, 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 <laughs> click, click. And um, because it, it's a grind, it's like the hardest thing that we do every year. I mean, I think um, we break it up. I mean, I, I typically have um, uh, the top 50 or so that I've got to put together. 
uh, and we we knock them out in chunks and send over kind of like 10 at a time. We got to keep it to a certain word length. So you're constantly checking that. One of the things that's that's always been one of the most difficult things is that that line at the beginning, which was the height, weight, uh, years of experience. We we uh, changed another kind of PWI institution that, that Kevin's kind of turned on on its head. Uh, we did that differently because the weight would always be an issue because sometimes they'd be, you know, using weight from years ago and either somebody yeah. put on a lot of weight or lost a lot of weight <laughs> and it's not accurate anymore. So yep. we, we did away uh, with that. But, and we would check those things. We'd do our yeah. due diligence, but we'd get bad information or it wasn't updated. Even, you know, we'd go on the official website of the promotion and it would be listed wrong. And like, you, you would think that would be correct because that's theoretically what they're being announced as coming out to the ring kind of bummed me out to, to get rid of that honestly because that's that's real classic sports stuff like right. here here's the tail of the tape but it just didn't seem worth the headaches and so what we did was add these different fun facts and like you know your entrance music's in there someone else's finisher might be listed or right. their hometown just a different approach and and so, as hard as it is it it's also uh, not to be corny but it's kind of the most rewarding assignment we get uh, as wrestling fans because it's you know, the, the fun thing is when I get somebody that I got to do a profile on who maybe I'm not that familiar with. And so you go online, you check out their stuff. I mean, that's how I got to watch uh, Shingo and Will Ospreay from earlier this year. I mean, I kind of knew about them, but uh, I think I had both their, their write-ups. So I was like, all right, I should watch this match everybody's talked about. This is like one of the, the best matches I've ever seen. And, and I don't think that I would have watched it if it wasn't for the 500. But yeah, it's sort of like, it, if you remember what it was like to be like in college and, and have finals and like you're cramming and, and, and you and you go have all these kind of numbers like, you know, going through your head and it's just heights and weights. So, yeah, it kind of messes you up for a few weeks. <laughs> I was just looking up uh, Alfredo the Danger Boy in, in the year 2000 was number 420. Uh, oh. And his best year <laughs> maybe was 99. He was 383. So there you go. <laughs> I will say I can neither confirm nor deny that sometimes the 420 ranking and 69 place may have a little <laughs> bit of extra thought that go into them. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, I the thought other that, one that I, I, I always think of, uh, and this might be relevant to you, was maybe less of an issue now, but but uh, the Young Bucks, it was always like, all right, who goes first and, and who right. goes, you know, which Jackson goes first? And, and that that's always an issue um, with tag teams. Less so now. I mean, for for another plug, last year we we created the the tag team fifty, which is so now we have a a, a dedicated list for tag teams. But it was that was always or the Briscoes, you know, when you have like yeah. brothers, it's like did one have a singles match that the other one didn't have, and 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 that might be the difference maker, you know. Mm -hmm. And just uh, for the record, this year number sixty nine is Jungle Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and number 420, uh, let's see who we can find here at 420. He is, uh, Oh, she is Masha Slamovich, which is one oh. of my favorite pro wrestling names. Masha Slamovich, the Russian dynamite. So there you go. I thought it might be fun too, because it's the 30th year. We read the top 10 in 2021, uh, the top 10 in, uh, 2001. Kurt Angle, Steve Austin, Chris Benoit, Keiji Muto, uh, Booker T, Triple H, Scott Steiner, Asawa, Chris Jericho, woo, number nine. Rhino was number 10. Yeah, that's when he was ECW champion. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and then we go back to 91, which was the first year. 
Do you know who number one was? Hulk Hogan. Of course. Hogan was one, yeah. Hogan, Luger, Flair, Savage, Sting, R- Scott Steiner, Steamboat, Steve Williams, Arn Anderson, and Rick Steiner. There's your Scott spot. Steiner is the only one on both of those lists. Oh, wow. Good point. Exactly. Yeah, he was number seven in, uh, in 2001. Is he in 2021? Not active enough, no. Not active. KG Muto is. Is he? So Muto probably made all three, I would imagine. Well, he was and on that first list. Well, he was yeah. in top 10. Um, he actually had a streak going for probably about 25 years. And Liger did up until he retired. Like he was in every single Everyone, edition up yeah. until he retired. Yeah, Muto think- was number 20 in 91. He's number four in 01. And this year, uh, you guys have an alf- alphabetical order list. We could probably find him if he's under KG or the great Muda. It's under it's, M. He's, under, he's KG, under KG. It's a pretty good uh, ranking. I forget what it is. It, it's t- top 50, though. Um, I did it. So, yeah, it would have yeah. been in the top uh, 50. But that's on the strength of him winning the GHC heavyweight. Title. He's number 23. Mm-hmm. Wow. Why did I think he was under that? <laughs> Do I know this list? that's amazing so all three years i mean give or take he basically finished in the top 20 in 91 2001 and 21 that's that's you're you're skipping a decade too you're forgetting 2011 which is 10 years i was going every 20 years no i was not going every 20 years (laughs) i thought i thought it was good good enough for me chris it's fine (laughs) uh guys this has been great last question for you uh have you ever received an angry call or letter from somebody about their ranking saying, Hey, how dare you put me at number 383? It's usually on these days. It's on Twitter. Uh, I know Stu would get some, some mail back in the day. Well, what kind of tweets do you get? This is, is I, I mean, some people are, some people are really hurt that they've yeah. been left off. I will say one that I legitimately felt really bad about this year was, uh, I believe he was 72, which he was happy with his ranking, but it was Rohit Raju from Impact, who just right. this amazing heel work. I'm, I, I really like what he does. Um, and as a group, the committee obviously did to put him at number 72. But his write-up seemed a little bit harsh and kind of like antagonizing him a little bit, which was kind of done with keeping in mind that like he's a heel who sort of lives the gimmick a little bit. Um, but it made reference to him kind of like peaking late in his career, which he's 40. That's not late, but it's late for some wrestlers. Right. It's maybe classically late. And anyway, it's sort of, I, I remember even the writer put it in there. I was like, oh, do I leave that? Oh, he's a heel. It's fine. He'll say, oh, how do you call How dare you call me old? And he didn't really, it's not so much things he said. It's things his friend said, like, hey, like that was really like over the line. Why did you say that about him? And like, oh, geez, like, I, I don't want to insult the guy. He's a great athlete. He's a great performer. I I legitimately felt really bad, but if somebody is upset that they're like number 100 instead of number 90 or whatever, like, just come on, make, it's not a, it's not that big a deal. You you can make your own list if you want. I remember uh, a year or two ago, a coworker of yours at AW, I don't know if he was upset, but I, I know that he um, had a whole angle planned around being number one and he wasn't. And <laughs> I don't think he was too happy about that, that he didn't get to do his angle. Well, if you're not, uh, yeah, you don't be planning angles around the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. That's uh, and and the write up is uh, Rohit Raju Achilles heel, peaking late. <laughs> yeah, and then and that says he was embarrassed by people he wrestled, which he, which in kayfabe he was. But I see, I see how altogether he said 
I think I, I actually wrote him and I said, Hey man, I hope you weren't really that upset about this. And he said, no, it did kind of read like you, I owed you money or something, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well guys, once again, great work. And, uh, Hey, listen, I'm happy. Number 19. That puts me in the top 20, which if I was in a rock and roll band, gives me a hit. I got a hit Absolutely. single. So, uh, and that is my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. My tenth uh, uh, appearance in the top 20 of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. Even though I've never been number one, I'd say that's probably some kind of record as well. It can still happen, Chris. Congratulations. You never know. That's right. Hey, yeah, next right. time we'll do the, the, the 2001, 2021, 2031. Yeah, let's talk in 2031. I'll be like Gypsy Girl. Girl Chris Jericho looking as good as ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Al. Thank you so much, Kevin. That was a blast. Great work. And Thanks, uh, I look forward to seeing uh, more great stuff from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, thanks. thanks